Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. What a privilege it is to be in his presence and to be with his great people. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. We're so glad for each of you that have come out this morning to worship with us here at High Point Church. It's our goal and our desire to help you reach the high point in your walk with Christ. That's what we're all about. So good to have Sister Joan back with us this morning. We have missed her, and uh, she's doing well, and we're so thankful to the Lord for that. It was good to see Sister Cruz back here this morning. She couldn't stay for the service in its entirety, but she is doing well, and we're so glad that she was here as well. I want to take the opportunity to welcome Michelle Castile as part of our High Point Church family, the soon-to-be bride of our good friend, Brother Daniel. And uh, we welcome her and glad to have her here at High Point Church. What a privilege it is to know such great and wonderful people. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit does not demand that we do anything. The Holy Spirit did not grab you and wrestle you out of your bed this morning, throw you on the ground, put you in a full Nelson and say, now get yourself up and get ready for church. That might have been your spouse, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Or it might have been your mom or dad, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit gives us the invitation, and it's up to us to take the initiative. Amen? The Holy Spirit leads and guides us. It does not push us. Now, the action that you took this morning or the action that was initiated to get up and get ready to come to church could have been out of guilt. Hope not, but it could have been. Or it could have been by desire. That's what we hope for. Or it could have been the demand of your parents. I always told my boys that it didn't make any difference if they was 45 years old, if they was living under my roof. They were going to church. Amen. Would you stand? I'll make a deal with you young folks over here. You'll put away all of the electronic gadgets you were playing with during worship service. Put away all your notepads and pay attention to what I'm about to preach. I'll not embarrass you. That's about the best deal you'll get. You don't want me to embarrass you. You see what will happen here? I'll, I'll make you another deal. If you get busy and fill this place up, I won't notice you so much playing with all those things. How's that? 
And for those of you that don't play with the electronic devices and you fall asleep, if you'll hurry up and get the place filled up, I won't notice you falling asleep so bad. What a deal. I invite your attention to Proverbs chapter 6, verses number 6 to 11. I, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with a little bit of guilt this morning. I go home sometimes feeling like I just keep beating up the same crowd, and that bothers me. And I go home thinking, but I do, I do find solace in the fact that we are an international ministry. And I do receive phone calls and emails all the time regarding and remarking and thanking us for the ministry that does come through our internet service. And uh, that, is, that is reassuring to me. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and preach what the Lord has given me to preach this morning. And I, uh, you know, even though I'm wrestling with the guilt, uh, please understand I do not preach this today with the intention to just constantly be, keep beating up the same crowd of people all the time, as it were. But I believe this is what the Lord wants us to preach today. So with that said, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, the wise man Solomon as is recorded there, says these words, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? Will you, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious Savior, as I stand so ever humbly before you today, I thank you for this opportunity that you have granted to us that we can come together here today and we can worship you in the beauty of holiness and we can lift up and exalt your name and praise through song and worship. Lord, as we come to this portion of the service this morning, the time where the ministry of your word goes forth in the form of preaching, I pray that you will help me today to be an instrument and a vessel for your glory and for your purpose. And I pray that each one here today will receive your word, will allow your word to prick their heart and to challenge them and to change them. For those who will hear this message via the internet or a CD or these other forms of media, I pray that the message, O oh God, will forever be etched in the quarters of their heart and mind. For we live in a crucial hour, and we live in a time when, O oh Lord, we must demonstrate the initiative, and we must take the initiative to do what you have called us to do. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Today I want to preach to you for a little while on taking the initiative. In fact, look at someone by you there and tell them, I want to take the initiative. I want to take the initiative. Now, it, it appears to me from, or at least from the perspective of my experience, that so many people are just standing around waiting on someone to come along and tell them what to do next. If you don't believe me, go with me next week to the folks that I am responsible for, and you'll find out there's many you know, supervisors and foremen that I have to tell them what to do next. 
I've read a story about a man who was employed by a duke and a duchess, and one day this man was called in to speak to his employer, and the employer asked, said, James, how long have you been employed with us? James replied, about 30 years, your grace. The duchess replied then, well, as I recall, you were employed to look after the dog. Well, James replied, yes, your grace. And to that, the duchess replied, James, that dog died 27 years ago. And to that, James replied, yes, your grace, but what would you like for me to do now? Why is it that so many people fail to take the initiative? Could it be that they don't realize the consequences of their inaction? Just as there is consequences for our action, there is consequences for our inaction. As the bishop so aptly stated just a little while, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, the result of that inaction is sin. Amen. As Solomon wrote, look at the ant, and nobody has to tell it what to do. In fact, I can't get rid of them in my yard. Try as hard as I may, I can't run those rascals to the neighbors. All summer it stores up food and makes a mess of my yard. Not that it's not already a mess, but it doesn't help any. Have you ever noticed whatever we do or neglect to do, it always catches up with us? Oh yeah. You can ignore things all you want to, but eventually it will catch up with you. You see, the word initiative, according to Mr. Webster, has, has a three-pronged definition. Number one is it's the action of taking the first step or move. Amen? Number two, it's the ability, ability in originating new ideas or methods. Ooh, I like that one. And finally, number three, the introduction of proposed legislation as, legislation as by voters' petitions. And we're going to use number one and number two for the purpose of our message today. You see, those who procrastinate end up like the man in the playwright that James Alberry's verse says, he slept beneath the moon, he baked beneath the sun, he lived a life of going to and died with nothing done. The Apostle Paul penned these words in his letter to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Having then gifts, listen to me now, having then gifts, he's writing to the church, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Amen. Let us use them. You see, knowing your ability is one of the keys to understanding your life's assignment. Each one of us is born and given an assignment for life. Amen. You're not, you're not just an accident. Contrary to what your parents may have tried to convince you of, you're not an accident. However, you can only plan and prepare for so long, then we must take action. 
all of the wonderful plans in the world that we might draw up if we just continue to draw new plans and draw new plans and work on new ideas. If we never take action, it's meaningless. Amen? Amen. So somewhere we must take the initiative. And if we're going to live above spiritual mediocrity, we have to come to the realization, I have to take the initiative. The Holy Spirit will not force us to pray. The Holy Spirit will not force us to enrich in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The invitation is there, but it's up to you and I to take that initiative to make sure that that happens. Amen. The Holy Spirit's not going to come along tomorrow morning and smack you upside the head and say, you know, you've really not been spending enough time with me lately. Amen. He said, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. In 2 Chronicles chapter 19, beginning at verse 4, we have the account of Jehoshaphat. What a name. Wouldn't you like to be named that, Jehoshaphat? That just conjures up all kinds of images, doesn't it? Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshaphat going, he, he, he's... He's out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim, and he brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. He's, he's a man that was doing good. He was bringing Israel back into that relationship with God. Now, Jehoshaphat proceeded to set up judges and rulers according to the word of the Lord and setting up the boundaries of authority and what was expected of the judges who would rule over Israel. They had boundaries. They had associated with their with their function, with their office. And at the conclusion of Jehoshaphat's instructions is this interesting phase, and it goes like this. He said this, Act with courage, and may the Lord be with those who do well. Act with courage, that's taken the initiative. And may the Lord be with those who do well. You see, one of the last obstacles between Israel... Let's move ahead a little bit, or move back a little bit in time with Israel. One of the last obstacles between Israel and the Promised Land was what? The Jordan River. Amen? However, we note, as the Bible so aptly points out, that God had a plan to take care of the Jordan River. He hadn't overlooked it. He hadn't brought him up to that point with, oh boy, I forgot all about that river. Now what am I going to do? No, he had a plan. He, he knew about the river. It didn't surprise him when they come up onto the banks of the Jordan River. He told the priests carrying the ark that when they stepped in the river, that the waters would roll back. Now, this is not the same scene as happened at the Red Sea. Things are a little bit different here, so bear that in mind. There wasn't a great east wind to come up and split the water and it stood up on each side like it did at the Red Sea. He said he would roll the waters back. Now, knowing that these things were written for our learning, there are a couple of lessons that I want us to grasp as we look at this, taking the initiative this morning. First of all, nothing happens until you quit holding back. Nothing happens until we quit holding back. You see, we can't wait for everything just to be perfect. If we do... It's never going to happen. 
You hear me? If we wait for every situation, every little old piece to be in place, everything to just be perfect, it's never going to happen. You can't wait until fear subsides. You must take the initiative. You see, people who are overcomers understand that momentum is their friend. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about momentum, right? You get, you get something going, you get, you get some momentum. You get things get to moving, and as you get to moving, it builds momentum. Amen. As soon as you start moving forward, certain things become clear and they become easier. And when the momentum gets strong enough, many of the problems actually take care of themselves. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. All these problems and things that we're worried about, if we just get the momentum going and get things moving, many of those will just take care of themselves. Perhaps you have heard the story of the tourist in a small town who asked an old man there, said, he looked at him and he said, Dub, can you tell me something this town is noted for? After a moment's hesitation and thought, he replied, well, he said, you know, you can start here and go anywhere in the world you want. Hmm. And believe it or not, that's true about you and I. We can start here and go anywhere in the world we want. Amen. You see, where we finish in life isn't determined so much by where we start as by whether we start. Somewhere along the way, we have to start. Somewhere along the way, we have to take the initiative. God, you have said you would do this, you have said this, you have promised this, and you have promised that, and if we will just take the initiative, he that believe, he, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? For he that believeth, or he that cometh to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Again, where we finish in life isn't determined so much by where we start as by whether we start. If you're willing to get started, there's no telling how far God will take you. If we're willing to start, there's no telling how far God will take us. Hear me, High Point Church, if we're willing to start and take the initiative, but, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I've got all of this. No, it doesn't matter. You just don't know where God will take us if we're willing to start. The second thing I want you to notice is we must be willing to persevere. Using the illustration as they come to the promised land and there the Jordan River and now they've got to get across this Jordan River and the Lord told the priest to go put their feet, go walk into the Jordan River and he would cause the water to roll back. You see, it's so important to bear in mind that the Jordan River didn't dry up the moment the priest stepped into it. Well, I wonder... Joshua's told him, priest carrying that ark, the Lord spoke to me, fellas. And he said that uh, you put that ark on those staves and you march out into the Jordan River. The Jordan was out of its banks. 
it was rainy season. It was flood waters was out of their banks. You, you all know what a river looks like when there's a flood and it gets out of its banks. And it, it, it was a mess. And, 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 the, and Joshua was telling the priest, you know how the currents get in a river when it gets and it's overflowing and it's out of its banks. These boys are looking at him with big old bug eyes like, you can't be serious, Joshua. You, you want... Yeah, the Lord said, if you put that ark on your shoulders and you will step out into the Jordan River, he will roll the water back. So they finally, okay, Joshua, you're the man. That's what you say. Here we go, preacher. We're going to step out into Jordan. They started wading out in the Jordan River. And they're looking around. I don't see much going on here right now, but remember this. God dried up the Jordan River 26 miles upstream. It took a couple minutes for the water to run away. 26 miles was a pretty good distance for that water to travel. You with me? So they had to wait until all the water passed by them. Then they had to wait there until the bottom. The bottom of the river was just full of all kind of deep. Slud, you know, you know, silt and all that stuff. Had to wait for that to all pass by. I suppose the question someone may be pondering is, why did God do it that way? God had the ability just to speak to the water and it vanished. He had the ability to dry it up instantly. He had the ability to roll it back and just do this great and marvelous thing. You see, simply because God sees the big picture. Why is God doing the things the way He's doing here at High Point Church? We're looking at, we're, we're looking at it through very narrow view when God is looking at the big picture. Amen? You see, God planned on opening, God planned on an opening in the river that was wide enough, not for just one or two folks to get by. He opened up a spot in the river that more than a million people could cross and take all of their possessions and all of their belongings. So the lesson here is that we need to trust God and take the initiative. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not not beating you up, folks, really. Hallelujah. How's the amen corner doing over here? You know, all right? Good. You're awful quiet, though. I need to hear an amen once in a while. The words of the Lord to Israel prior to their going into the promised land went like this in Deuteronomy 1, 29 and 30. From the New King James Version Bible, it says, Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. We have a tendency to forget all that the Lord has done for us. And I'm not one that thinks we should live in the past and we should live in yesterday's memory and we should live in yesterday's glory and yesterday's blessings. But once in a while, we need to be reminded what God has done for us. We need to be reminded of the victorious battles that were won through faith in His name. We need to remember and we need to... So He tells them here, do not be terrified. Don't you be afraid of all of those ites over there. You know, because the Lord God is going to go before you and He's going to fight for you according... You remember what i done in Egypt? 
You remember the plague of locusts. You remember the plague of lice. You remember the plague of frogs. You remember all of these things that I've done down in Egypt. You remember the crossing of the Red Sea. You, you remember all of this, folks? I'm the same God that done that. I'm the same God that's going to go with you as the God that was with you then. While Egypt faced all of these plagues, you lived down in the land of Goshen totally free of all of these pestilence. Amen? So he says, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Now there's a couple things I want you to notice about taking the initiative. First of all, taking the initiative closes the door to fear. I said, taking the initiative closes the door to fear. The truth is, you might want to buckle up for this. The truth is we all have fears. There's very few times I come to this pulpit that I don't fear I'm going to mess this all up. We all deal with fears. The question then, are we going to control them or allow them to control us? Norman Vincent Peale said, and I quote, Action is a great restorer and builder of confidence. Inaction is not only the result but the cause of fear. Perhaps action you take will be successful. Perhaps different action or adjustments will have to follow. But any action is better than no action at all, end of quote. Most of y'all know who Norman Vincent Peale is, right? Read some of, his, some of his material? If you haven't, you need to. It's good reading. I didn't get paid for that endorsement either, so. Again, and I quote, Action is a great restorer and builder of confidence. Inaction, not... Inaction is not only the result, but the cause of fear. Perhaps action you take will be successful. Perhaps different action or adjustments will have to follow. But any action is better than no action at all. End of quote. Amen. You see, to have any chance at getting where we desire, we need to work for it. Amen. That applies in our spiritual walk as well. We must work for it. Amen. And nothing is as discouraging or draining as hanging on to an uncompleted task. It will wear you out. Hanging on to an uncompleted task just will wear you out. The longer we let things slide, the harder they become. Amen. The hardest work is often the accumulation of many easy things that should have been done yesterday, last week, or last month. Now I know some of y'all thinking about all those things around the house. You're going, oh boy. I should have done this. I should have done that. All that. Oh my goodness. And you're probably going to want to go home depressed. Now I'm not talking... No doubt you have all heard the cliche. I grew up hearing this cliche. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Two of my dad's favorite cliches is one, never put off son until tomorrow. Never put son, don't ever put off until tomorrow what you can get done today. 
And any job worth doing is worth doing right. I mean, those were etched in my mind. I, I will never, ever forget them. A lot of things can happen to me, but those two cliches I'll never forget because I heard them day after day after day. Go out there and redo that because any job worth doing is worth doing right. Now get it done right. Dad, come on. No, get, get out there. I'm not happy with that. Get out there and get it done. No, you're not waiting until tomorrow. You're going to get it done today because tomorrow I have something else for you to do. Does it not sound familiar to you folk? <clears throat> well, hang on, it gets better. <clears throat> Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. You see, the way to get rid of that difficult task, just do it. Just do it. I found out if I wanted to get Daddy, you know, it took me a long time to learn it. Whew, boy, it took me a long time to learn this lesson. If I wanted to get Dad off my back, we'd just get it done. Go out and do it. Do it right the first time. He'd pat you on the back. Good job, son. Good job. Now I'll let you go over to the neighbor boy's house. Or no, maybe tomorrow. You never know what kind of results he's going. The way to get a difficult task is just to get this to do it. The second thing I want you to notice is taking the initiative opens the door to opportunity. Taking the initiative opens the door to opportunity. Remember this, young folks. Taking the initiative opens the door to opportunity. Amen. You're never going to get a good education if you don't take the initiative. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting a little bit here. You all want to. You see, people who take the initiative and work hard may succeed or they may fail. There's no guarantees. There's been many things, and probably you can name things that you tried desperately hard. You took the initiative to do it, and, and it just blew up in your face. It'll happen from time to time. Don't, don't be too alarmed. It'll happen. You may succeed. You may fail. However, anyone who doesn't take initiative is guaranteed to fail. If you do nothing, I promise you, you're guaranteed to fail. If we do nothing, we're going to fail, and we're going to fail miserably. Amen? With that in mind... As you're praying, are you asking God, is there a decision I should be making right now? When you're praying, are you asking Him, is there a problem I should be solving? When you're praying, are you asking, is there a project that I should be starting? Are you asking, Lord, is there a goal I should be setting or striving towards? Or is there an opportunity I should be seizing for you? Amen. In fact, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, and I, and I read this from the Living Bible, says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You see, it's better to be 80% sure and start than to wait until you're 100% sure because by then the opportunity may have passed you by. Amen. Oh, help us, Lord. We need to take the initiative. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, penned these words. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4, and I read from the NIV. <clears throat> Each one should test his own actions. And he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. 
There's a story I read about about this this fisherman. Now I, I'm not a fisherman. I, I've gone a few times, and and I'm certainly not a deep sea fisherman. And uh, as as some folks around here can attest to that, I I turn green as a gourd, and strange things start happening. But but I read a story about this fisherman who always came home with his buckets just full of fish. But one day there was a stranger who had been watching this guy come in, get off his boat, and he'd have a bucket or two full of fish and watch him. So he finally builds up the nerve to go up, or, you know, goes up to the fisherman. They probably didn't have to build up. They just went up to him. You know how fishermen are. They can talk to anybody. And uh, one day this stranger had been watching him. He went up and asked him. He said, listen, uh, you know, I see you're, you, 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 man, you're always catching fish. Would you mind if I, next time you go, if I go out with you? Oh, the fisherman, you know, being an accommodating guy, nice fellow and everything. Well, he said, sure, not a problem. In fact, tomorrow we're going to go out. Won't you, won't you meet me here tomorrow? We'll, we'll go out tomorrow. So next morning, the two of them made their way to a, got on the boat, and they made their way to a remote cave on the other side of the lake. And while they're going out there, the stranger happened to notice that the fisherman didn't have any poles on the boat, he didn't have any rods or reels or anything like that, just had this kind of rusty looking tackle box and a scoop net. He's <clears throat> kind of curious about all this. And so after making their way into the cave, the fisherman, you know, he easily shuts off the motor to the boat and they just kind of drift into this cave. This stranger's watching him. He reaches down. He opens this rusty-looking tackle box thing up and reaches in. He pulls out a stick of dynamite and a match and lights the thing up, throws it in the water. Huge explosion, definitely an explosion in the cave. And he grabbed his net and began scooping up fish. With a hard look, the stranger reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a badge that identified him as a state game warden. Boy, things are looking bad, aren't they? But you know, them fishermen are pretty sharp cookies. Pretty sharp. You, you got to watch them. So the warden says, you are under arrest. What you're doing is illegal. You don't fish with dynamite. Well, his words didn't phase this fisherman, not one iota. Not one bit. The fisherman simply reached into the tackle box again. Pulls out another stick of dynamite. He lights the thing up. This time he holds it for a little while while the fuse is burning down. By now, the warden's eyes are getting a little bit bug-eyed. He hands it to the warden and said, So are you just going to sit there or are you going to fish? I believe the game warden went fishing, don't you? Now, I shared all of that with you to say this. Successful people don't need to have a fuse lit under them. Their motivation comes from their God-given purpose within. We don't have to have the preacher constantly getting up, priding folks along to get them to do something. They live for a cause greater than themselves. Amen. You see, if we wait for others to motivate us, what happens when others don't show up? 
If you are waiting on me to say just the right things to get you motivated, what happens when the right words don't show up? And the many times that folks go home and say, whoo, boy, I don't know what pastor's problem was today, but he sure didn't strike any chords with me. In fact, I thought it was kind of boring and dry and extremely long-winded. Doesn't make any difference how long I preached. It's long-winded. It's all right. You can go, you man. It's all right. I'm not trying to trap you. <laughs> but what happens when the right words don't come along? If you're waiting on me to say just the right thing to catapult you and, and to take him the initiative, it may never happen. If you're waiting for just the right song during worship service to get you motivated, as wonderful as this worship team is and as marvelous a job as they do, the problem is that just that right song may never come along to motivate you. Amen? You see, we need a better plan than that. And the Word of God gives us this plan. Galatians 6 and 4 again from the Living Translation says, Be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. God did not put me here to motivate you into initiating your ministry and your call. He put me here to teach to preach, to exhort, to rebuke. Yeah, you know what Paul told Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. Amen. Don't make me get the dynamite out. It'll get messy. You see, we can only pray and plan and prepare for so long. You know, I hear this a lot. Well, I'm planning on doing something. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm planning on getting up and going to work tomorrow morning. And I promise you, you won't find me sitting at the house at 4 o'clock still saying, nah, I'm planning on getting up and going to work in a little bit. You know, we can only plan and we can only prepare for so long. Then we must step out in faith and act. Amen? Amen. Some folks have been preparing for a lifetime. Oh, did I say that? Yeah. You see, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, says this. He who deliberates too long before taking a step will spend his whole life on one leg If you deliberate too long, you've got to do something. I don't know how long I can hold my balance like this, but oftentimes the reason we never get started is because we focus on tomorrow instead of today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You see, the only time over which you and I have control is right now. It's the present. By this afternoon, two, three, four hours from now, the Lord may have taken some of us. I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. I, it's not in here. I don't have a guarantee of 15 minutes from now. Neither do you. Amen. 
We don't have a promise of tomorrow. The only time that we have control of is right now, the very present. In fact, James writes in James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, as I read from the NIV, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go do this or that, or go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you, don't, you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I will go to work tomorrow, get up and go if the Lord will. If he lets me get up. Amen? <clears throat> Edgar Quest wrote, The greatest of workers this man would have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is he died and he faded from view. view. And all that he left here when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Would you stand? So with all of that being said, let me assure you that the idea of tomorrow can be very seductive. But the promise it holds is often false. It's up to you and I. You can look for tomorrow, or you can do as the Apostle Paul admonished in his writings to the church. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Aren't you glad for the gift that he has given to us? He has given each of us a gift in ministry at some level. Did you hear me? He has given each of us a gift in ministry at some level. Having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Everybody say that with me. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. It's up to us. It's up to you and I to take the initiative to take what God has given us, what God has so graciously bestowed upon us as His children, as His special people, as the apple of His eye, to take the initiative, it will surprise you what God will do.